On Chain with Emin Gunsiva. Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the podcast and uh, great to see you on chain and on here. Uh, so uh, let's see, uh, this is a nice snowy New York day and uh, I just got back from uh, uh, from Europe and uh, from Switzerland where there was a, a cryptocurrency meeting and uh, I have with me an expert today that I, uh, that I value and respect very much. Is an expert on NFTs and arts and culture, and uh, I wanted to chat with them a little bit. So welcome onto the show, Dominic Carbonaro, uh, the head of uh, what I just said, arts and culture and NFTs at Alva Labs, uh, the man behind much of the success of NFTs on Avalanche. Hi, Dom. How are you doing? Hey, Garen. How's it going? Good. I'm in uh, an office today, like you mentioned. It is a nice snowy day. It was pretty crazy. I couldn't even see out the window a few hours ago. So... Uh, it's nice to see it calm down, but uh, I'm doing good. It's been uh, it's been an eventful week for us to say the uh, to say the least in the NFT space. So um, it's it's yeah. been a fantastic series of weeks, and that's the topic I want to get into. But uh, before I get into that, it's it's great to see that you're in the office. I you know clearly I'm the derelict here. I, I wanted to come in today, but uh, but I just traveled internationally, so I, I decided to to sleep a little bit. And you can tell I think that I just woke up for the podcast, but. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Dom, let's start with NFTs. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of people in the Avalanche community. There are a whole lot of NFT degens, but also there are a lot of people who uh, are new to the space. And a lot of people um, do not appreciate or understand the value proposition of an NFT. Uh, they don't know where NFTs get their value from. So the very first thing I want to get into is what is an NFT in your eyes? How do you define one? Yeah, so... I think at a at the very base, NFTs are claims on culture, they're claims on community, they're claims on digital identity. Um, it's really a way for people to express themselves. Um, and I, we, we see this in the real world play out with like belonging to certain clubs or wearing certain types of clothing. It, it's no different than than what you know what we do in our in the Web3 space, which is around NFTs, right? So um, I always say it's like as basic as if I wear a certain NFT as my PFP you know what that community stands for and kind of those, you know, those, uh, the, the rules of the house per se are like portrayed on you. So I really think at, at, at their base level, that's what they are. And, and I think that's okay. I think it's actually a really, it's a really good thing that that's what they are. And um, yeah, and I think, I think we're going through a, a great exploration phase to say the least with some of our new projects. So um, yeah, there's quite a lot to say on that front. So um you know, a lot of people think of Avalanche C chain as being the main chain, but really there's the X chain, and uh, that's part of the Avalanche virtual machine. And when we were designing it back in 2018, uh, Kevin and I uh, spent a lot of time on the kinds of tokens to be supported on on the Avalanche virtual machine on the X chain. And uh, and people who've looked carefully into our documentation will know that we support. NFTs as first-class abstractions, as first-class tokens on Avalanche. And uh, and I remember going around and talking to people. I spoke to Vitalik. I spoke to Joe Lubin of Consensus, uh, telling them, look, guys, uh, there's this thing that's going to take place called NFTs. They weren't a thing back in 2018. And, uh, and I remember Kevin and I went around and said, look, these things are credentials. So just the same way you have a driver's ID, you will have a driver's NFT. Just the same way you have an Ava Labs ID that opens the door, you'll have an NFT that opens the door. 
And um, and so uh, so that vision hasn't really played out yet. Uh, maybe it will. Maybe maybe it's in the works. Uh, that is a credential issued by one party to another. Uh, but the the thing that has happened in spades, way more than we thought it would, are are credentials that people obtain themselves with their money, right? So I want to be part of the Bay Area Yacht Club, and uh, and I you know I'm a successful trader. I want to show it off, or uh, somebody goes and gets a whole bunch of you know you name it dokios, uh, and uh, and so these are all club memberships in some sense, right? So they're like part of your identity. You're saying, hey, I'm so cool, you know. Uh, and instead of wearing, I don't know, like a fancy whatever, it's, this is my version of a fancy sweater. But, uh, you know, instead of wearing something on your body, you now virtually carry something uh, that, uh, that's, that exemplifies or that, that certifies membership. What do, you say about, what do you say about the right-click issue? A lot of boomers are very, very confused about this. They're like, oh, you paid money for that? Ha, 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 I right-click saved your, your uh, NFT. Yeah, so it, it's funny. So I, I I had this conversation with my parents. My parents are both uh, educators, so I was always taught things like through through analogies, right? Like imagine it like this in order to learn and understand. So I I did a fun experiment with my mom because she's like, that makes no sense. How can you own that? You can just right click save it. And so I, I I had a picture of our house on her phone, and I said, imagine someone random walks up and I show them a picture of this house and I say, I own it. And my mom's like, well, I own it. And you can prove that you own it by showing the deed to the house. And I was like, yeah, I can shoot. I, I, I have the paper right here. I own it. So that's at its at a very base level. That's kind of what an NFT is. You have a digital representation of an item and there's a way to prove it via a token. So, you know, are there more nuances to it? Is it absolutely true? You know, that there's maybe some more technical differences. But at an, at an understanding level, my mom was like, oh, so you can own a representation of that asset. I think this is a claim on that asset. I said, that's all it is at a very basic level. And so I think it's just more like, um, whenever I talk to like the boomer generation, uh, it's just more like putting it in terms people understand. And then I think they just really quickly get it like, oh, as things generally change and as the systems change, it won't be a physical paper as a deed anymore. These will change to a different medium and blockchain is really well suited for this. So um, yeah, that kind of normally solves itself once you tell them that. And then they kind of yeah. laugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So and if the goal is to tokenize all things, uh, we have to understand that not everything is a fungible item. It's not everything is a is money or a stock certificate or a bond or a financial instrument. There are a whole lot of things that are one-offs. And, uh, and you know, I mean, I can go on and on on this topic. Uh, I remember when I first entered grad school, I'm not going to mention the year, it was a while ago. And the whole time I was like, look, we know, we know public key crypto. And, you know, back then people would steal your car by breaking a portion of your... Uh, of your, uh, you know, whatever, your ignition block and making two wires touch each other and then you start the engine. And the whole, you know, if you were semi-smart, you're like, this authentication has to happen for my car. It has to happen inside the engine block. And you got to go in there with a little device that says, I am the owner of this car. That's a non-fungible token. And it can, you can put your car's picture on it if you like. But, uh, but you know, those kinds of things are pretty darn important. And, um, and of course, the ones that have no no meaning, you know, it's just a synthetically generated or a hand generated picture. So uh, ownership of it shows something about you. So yeah. tell us a little bit about, so you know, at least uh, in my little universe, uh, you're one of the people who knows the most about what makes NFTs uh, successful, what it takes to build a successful NFT project. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about what it takes for an NFT project to be successful, at least in your experience. Yeah, so... 
this was something I got to see pretty firsthand because I get to see a lot of our projects are built. Um, and I think people generally undervalue the amount of work that goes into taking something from nothing to getting it to market and minted out. Um, there are a variety of, of parts you need to focus on. One of them is a form of like marketing. So you need to be able to tell the story of what you're doing and why it matters. Um, another is actually managing that community. So when you have a good marketing funnel, you need people coming in and you need them to be a part of this group and make and give them a sense of identity. So those usually lives in, live in things like Discord. So having a really great experience in Discord. So like when I when I enter, like what is that like? Like what's that experience like? So thinking through thinking a lot of things through as like an experience for a user as opposed to just like I'm buying a picture. And then they're a part of the community before they even buy or mint anything. And then on the opposite side from like the uh, from like the artist side, that stuff is intensely grueling. So it, the amount of traits you have to pick, making sure that all of those traits make sense, right? Because if you put a hat on with a different type of beard, that beard may awkwardly go into the hat. So you have to review thousands and thousands and thousands of images to make sure that they're all set the right way. Right. And then the hardest part is bringing that actually to market, which is an extremely nerve wracking experience. So making sure the mint is successful, the site, the website stays up if you use your own website. So it's a very interesting thing where you need technical skills, you need community building skills, you need marketing ability. It's, it's a, it's a, it, a lot goes into them a lot more than people, than people think. And obviously like when markets are going crazy and things are very frothy, the, the, the threshold to mint things out, it's easier. Right. But in, in the current state, people are much more meticulous of what they're looking at. So you, you have to be, you have to be really on it because people are going to analyze everything you're doing. And if you show signs of weakness, people will start to lose trust in what you're building. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, I think from, I think those are the three big things, right? A community approach, a marketing approach, and a technical approach. You have to have, we have to have all of those to make the project successful. No, absolutely. So, uh, oh, I think this is a good time. Before we go on to discuss Avalanche NFTs, I do have to brag a little bit. So, uh, so back in the day, you know, back in, uh, back when I was first active in Bitcoin circles, when NFTs weren't a, a, a word yet, uh, I was I was somewhat famous. I was somewhat infamous. People, some people loved me because I was the scientist who was bringing a scientific approach to crypto, and a bunch of other people hated me because I discovered a way to make more money than you should on Bitcoin by mining, and it was something called selfish mining. So I got a lot of hatred at the time. In any case, uh, they decided to make to put me in the very first NFT series that was ever created. It was created on Bitcoin, and. Um, and so, uh, so I'm there. Uh, Luke Dash Jr. is there. Luke Dash Jr., for those of you who don't know, is an OG uh, who believes in uh, eating cats. I think he's, he's also known as the cat eater. He has some colorful ideas. Anyway, Luke's there. I'm there. Satoshi Nakamoto is in that series. A bunch of other people are in that series. But the person creating my NFTs ended up screwing up. And I became created as a, as a divisible NFT. So... Um, so you can own a piece of me if you like. I don't know how many people have my NFT. I, I have some still. I'm not going to sell them. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but a bunch of people have uh, some, some whole NFTs of me, and they might be selling fractions. And anyway, so they, they're there. I'm in the very, very first series of NFTs. I love them, and, uh, and I do think they're awesome. And like you said, for an NFT series to be successful, you need to have the technical chops, the artistic chops, the marketing uh, and of course, you need to, to know how to build a community. 
let's talk a little bit about the typical lifetime of of NFTs. Not from the point of view of someone who's, you know, uh, who wants to buy and and hold, but from the point of view of someone who who might want to uh, to to actually make money off of these things. So one thing I've noticed is kind of like is this that NFTs are kind of like running crypto on turbo, right? It's they have a lifetime that's super freaking fast. They they flare up, they become popular, then they disappear. Um, is that true? Is that although on the other hand, you know, they're having NFTs that really stuck around for some time. What's been your sort of observation? What's how does how does how do these things go? So with NFTs, I view them in a few ways. So like specifically around PFPs, right? And I think your, 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 your statement is true around uh, the cycles being very short, but some can make it past that and they become what I call more like digital artifacts or art. You know, you think of things like CryptoPunks. I wouldn't really call those PFPs. Those are more art. You're buying artifacts. Um, but like the newer, the newer PFPs, um, I think what happens is um, people buy into them and communities become really strong. So people continue to buy. The assets inherently are rather illiquid. So the price discovery gets crazy. And as the price discovery gets more crazy, we have to start looking around to ourselves and justifying the price. So why is this worth so much? Well, now we have to give it utility because it can't be worth this much money. That makes no sense. So let's give it some new narrative, some new utility-based narrative to try to justify its price. And those things tend to never work, right? Um, and so I think that's what we saw a lot of in the last cycle. Uh, these things went crazy. People joined these communities. We started trying to make them into things they're not. Didn't necessarily work out. And then a lot of them went back down. Now, I know a lot of people that are still in those communities. They hang out all the time. They've made some of their best friends through crypto that way. Some have even met people who now they're dating. So um, I think it really just depends on like- Wait, what wait, 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 wait. They started dating because, because they own an NFT? Yeah, and they met up at meets and then they meet people. You know, these are just like virtual communities. It reminds me a lot of like World of Warcraft guilds. Like you meet people through your guild and then, oh, I live near you. Oh, let's go have dinner. So like it's very much similar. So I think that the statement you made is like if I was a trader and I was defining value as money, then I would look at it differently than if I was like, like you said, someone who's maybe buying and holding because they value relationships and community. So you have to really decide like who you are as a person. And so I tend to be more of like the community relationship. I'm not a trader. I don't define value by, by money. So like I value them by like the people I meet, the people I interact with, the people I get to do things with in real life. Um, but if you are that trader, you have to be very smart around like narratives. Because like you said, uh, these they, they it's crypto, but in like four months, right? So the narratives change really, really quickly. So you have to be really in tune with, okay, where is the market going? What narrative is going to be hot and positioning to catch those narrative rides, right? Um, yeah. So I, I want to I interject a, one, one thing that I heard that uh, really made me change the way I view these things. So, uh, you know, people were paying millions of dollars for, uh, for some of these NFTs, right? And, uh, and it seems absurd, right? You're, you know, coming from my background, the millions of dollars will, will fix a scientific problem for you, right? And uh, tens of millions might fix a minor disease. Hundreds of millions will will fix a real disease with with lots and lots of people. And you know, so uh, so it seemed absurd. These these valuations seemed really high. Uh, but then you try to put it into con. Someone put it in context and said, "Look, people pay millions of dollars for country club membership, right? Over their lifetime, 
and uh, and they don't blink an eyelid. You know, you you just got to buy that thing to you know just pay. You know, you've got to be a member of certain clubs, and uh, and so some of these uh, cult NFTs have achieved that status. And uh, and buying one and displaying it on your page and it's definitively yours. It's uh, it's a flex. And it's a flex the way they you know people flex with with jewelry with with watches and so forth. You know these are not things necessarily that I, I subscribe to or, or buy into, but I see it happen all the time and I understand and, and appreciate that it's just part of human nature. And, um, and I want to add one more thing too. It can be access and that can be really hard to get in crypto. And so like there's certain NFTs on chains, which I think will eventually happen here where there's only a hundred of them and you don't even get to buy them. You have to be invited to buy them. Because owning that NFT gets you access to a group, which then gets you access to deals, access to people. So, yeah, very much in line with like a country club. Not many people buy country club memberships because they love to golf. <laughs> you know, they get yeah. to golf, they meet other people, and they get access to things that they necessarily wouldn't. So there is a huge, that's a very, very big market. And those tend to actually sustain the best because it, it can be hard to get that access. That's a fascinating point. And it's actually a good jumping off place not for this podcast but for a later podcast where we talk about social fi right um, so the arena uses tokens in a similar way right you gotta buy someone's private token to quote slip into their dms and have uh, have a discussion with them and it's very uh, it's very much a smooth part of this process the tokens are not in your face they're not artwork etc but but they 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 serve that function and, um, and it's really fascinating. I do think that social fi is also a very strong area that we're going to see explode in the next cycle. Uh, but let's put that aside for a second. Let's come back to what you were saying before. So the life cycle of a typical NFT project, they do run fast, don't they? Like these things really flare up. And um, have you noticed this thing that, uh, that I think I've seen? The people who trade NFTs the best are those people who have their ears closest to the ground they have the feelers in there. They know what's going to be hot. They know where the communities are going to move into. And we're talking about the diverse set of communities across the globe, right? But somehow some people really have uh, their fingers on the pulse and they can get in and out of these uh, these uh, uh, these NFTs at just the right time. Yeah. And I have this conversation with Luigi all the time because, you know, Luigi is very much like opposite of me in terms of like how we think about these things. Um and I like to think of it about the, like the user. I think when you understand the type of user that's buying and participating in PFPs and NFTs, you can understand better like how to trade them. And so like, it's really a distinct difference, difference between PFPs and DeFi. It's like in DeFi, it's much more lone wolf, right? If I have a strategy that's giving me good yield, my incentive structures are not to tell you because if you copy my strategy, mm -hmm. I reduce my yield and I make less money. Where on the PFP side, I make money by telling everyone how amazing my thing is and getting them to come in and buy it. And so with that, it's the, the skills are different. You have to have really good like social cues and understand like where the tribe is going to go mm -hmm. as opposed to being able to understand like an Excel sheet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. you can see a lot of times I know people who are power DeFi users, they don't even want to try NFTs because they just don't, they don't get it. They don't get that social mm -hmm. cue mechanic. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, they, they have their ear to the ground. They understand groups really well. Um, probably someone, if you ever met them out of a bar, they'd be a really good time and we're, and we're chatty. That's like most of the NFT people I met that are good because they're very much around social cues and you have to be able to pick those up. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
And uh, I have also noticed, and in fact, I've been want, wanting um, some uh, anthropologists to come in and, and study these things. I've noticed that there is, behind every NFT that's successful, there is a connection, uh, something that, that really captures a key element of, um, of the people of the community that they serve. So it's no wonder that the most, one of the most successful NFT series is, is are a bunch of apes, right? So because a lot of people in crypto are aping and, and, and they're very fully cognizant that they're buying and selling tokens without understanding what those are, uh, what the technology is, you know, I mean, they, they, people trade Tron, people trade Matic, you know, these coins with no technology behind them, just a bunch of, they just ape into them. And, and, and owning a Bay Area Yacht Club NFT is, is somehow self-mockery in some sense, right? It's sort of like, you know, yeah, I know I'm an ape. I know I'm just aping in. And therefore, it makes sense that my PFP would be a monkey because that's how I made my money, buying and selling things I don't understand. So, um, so I've noticed that I can't wait to have, a, have an anthropologist look at these communities. It's, uh, you know, they always take like 30, 40 years uh, to get into an area, but, but it's, it's high time for, for them to look at crypto. Yeah, I, they've done like recent studies on like, you know, some of the World of Warcraft like guilds and, and like some of that stuff. So I think you're right. It's only a matter of time before they study them as like, as like humans interacting, because it's really what they are. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to see something like that too. Yeah, yeah, no, I was at this conference with a bunch of academics at UCLA, and uh, one of the, uh, I think maybe three or four of the participants were anthropologists, and one of them was a guy who spent, you know how anthropologists go into tribes, and they're embedded, and they take notes at night on the families that they interacted with, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and uh, one of them was, a, was an anthropologist who had studied um, World of Warcraft guilds, actually. And uh, he was a member of various different guilds under different monikers. And uh, he had written a whole treatise on, uh, on uh, how those form. And again, so NFTs are very different, if you ask me. Very, very different from World of World. The dynamics are, are similar to World, World of Warcraft. But uh, but very, very different uh, uh, communities at the end of the day. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about, um, about uh, sort of uh, NFTs that made it and, and NFTs that did not. So... Mm -hmm. um, uh, have you noticed one thing that that you know took me by surprise? That uh, I think you alluded to this earlier. There are NFTs out there. They're, they're, these NFTs are, in some sense, they're copies of the game that we see at the L1 level or the or the coin level, and um, and so uh, quite a few of them come up and uh, and they promise things that they cannot deliver. Right? This if you buy this NFT in the future, I will do X Y Z, and that future delivery almost never ever goes anywhere and the ones that have been successful have been the ones that are like look here's an nft it just sits there if you like it you buy it you don't like it you don't buy it um have you noticed that uh, that that the ones that to try to sort of jam pack utility into nfts were not the ones that that made it it's never is because they don't they don't function you're not buying them for the utility if you wanted to buy things for utility there are much better crypto assets you can buy you're buying them because of the identity component. So the NFTs that have always performed the best have always created that strong cultural identity. And so like there's that meme where it was it's a little older now where they say like do it for the culture. But you had people like drinking out of shoes, getting the NFT tattooed on them, just like crazy things that just don't make sense. But it feeds into this like this machine where then like someone else wants to one up you and now you have someone jumping out of a plane like 
doing something parachuting with the NFT on the parachute. Like it just starts to evolve into crazy things, right? And like those have always been the ones that have performed best. Never the ones with these like large, we have a roadmap because again, people are speculating. So it's like actually delivering on your roadmap is negative <laughs> because now there's nothing left to speculate on. So it's like they actually even function worse when you tell like, hey, we're going to do something and deliver on it because then the market can't speculate. You delivered. Right? I can't tell if you're mocking bad NFTs or if you're back mocking certain L1s that have <laughs> never delivered and always uh, always overpromised things in the future. I think uh, the listeners to this podcast know how I feel about this whole game of uh, of constantly holding a carrot out um, for uh, uh, for the community. Uh, okay, so let's let's move on a little bit from communities to this one particular community that we both happen to love and, and be embedded in, which is the Avalanche NFT community. So uh, so can you give us a sort of a state of the of the union kind of an address on where we are uh, with NFTs on Avalanche? So we are in like, I kind of, let's relate it back to humans. We're like, we're like just discovering tools in my opinion, in our growth cycle for NFTs. Um, We've had several great projects launch from Dokio to Steady to Woofy um, to countless more. Uh, and the communities are growing really strong and they're all picking out their 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 identities. Um, we've been doing, um, you know, uh, a trading program, which has been going really well. And we're probably going to look at introducing some some new stuff re relatively soon um, that can like kind of play off of that. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 great to start to see our community, I really start to identify with these things because I think it it makes us stronger. Um, and so like I, I, I see those early beginnings of like people pe people putting on PFPs, the energy is becoming kind of contagious on Twitter too, which is really great mm -hmm. to see people are excited. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's all great early signs, right? Of a, of, a, of, a, of a blossoming starting ecosystem. Yeah, I think something that we should understand is that uh, the Avalanche community, the Avalanche is a, is a third generation coin. It's the latest generation coin, right? So uh, uh, the first generation was Bitcoin, second was Ethereum, and, uh, and the second generation pretty much tried to copy features of, of the first and added just one, one additional thing, which is programmability. But then we came along with a whole lot of other things that we could do that nobody else could, and we brought a different approach. Uh, but, uh, but here's what happened. The earliest of adopters, went into BTC or what they went into ETH. And so the Avalanche community is a little different. And it took us, took our community some time to digest what NFTs were and uh, and get into it wholesale. So, uh, so here we are though, and it seems like uh, there's a hell of a lot of NFT activity these days. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I mean, I think that's even an under assessment. We have, Tokyo is doing the most volume out of any NFT project in crypto. So is that right? pretty, number one? Yeah. Yeah. It toggles between, you know, rank one and five and four, but it's been number one on several occasions. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy to see that much activity. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we're even getting like natural stuff pop up, right? Like people are now just doing NFTs and I don't even know about them, which makes it even more crazy, right? Like uh, even celebrities are starting to do them. So it's like, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a wild ride, but, but I, I think what you mentioned is true. When I first started here, our community is very unique. And uh, like, I actually think we have a very, very high IQ community. Like they are very yeah. much ingrained in the tech and like 
the the rationale and reasoning behind our our users is a little different than other places. So it, it took some time to like kind of foster why these things matter and what they do. Um, but it's been nice to see uh, some more reception and people kind of getting in there now and going, oh, okay, I see why these things matter. And, and like that light bulb moment, right, is always great to see. Yeah. No, I, I fully agree with you that it's the, the, the high IQ uh, might have actually caught, uh, kept our community from jumping into these things um, than uh, compared to others. I think if you just have no thinking faculties whatsoever, you just jump onto everything, right? That's um, and uh, and if you're used to, you know, I'll do something and hopefully in the future it'll be worth something, you know, well, that's if if, if your L1 uh, fostered that mentality, then you just start aping into coins like like you see with certain other coins. But uh, but the avalanche community is different. I think that critical thinking um, is, is, is really, really strong. And uh, but now people get it. So uh, it's fantastic to hear that Dokyo was number one. Um, I I was I was uh, I was out of the country for a while. I had noticed this that that's great. Didn't realize that it was consistently in the top five. That's really, oh yeah. So um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, about where these things are going to go. What's uh, what's going to happen in this cycle? What's going to be different with NFTs in this upcoming cycle compared to the last? So, yeah, I have very passionate takes on this. Um, and I think uh, I think the things you mentioned at the start, right, like uh, identification, like things like this, uh, I come from a sales background. So I always would categorize things in the six month, one year, three year, five year. Like, and that's just, I think, always worked best for me. So um, I would say like the six month stuff is still like the speculative stuff, the easy stuff, like PFPs, trading, that's what the market's used to. Um, and we know that, right? But that's not like you said, what, what's going to be next? And so for me, it's like, okay, what's our next one to three years look like? Like, is it just PFPs? I, I, I tend to think no. And I tend to think like the PFPs are really just a signal for the NFT as a technology. And now you'll start to see amazing use cases come out of it. So, you know, I talk with Morgan about this all the time, like tokenizing real world assets is amazing. Um, and I know, like, we all know where it's going to go in five years. But like, what are some tokenized real world assets we can get on chain right now that our users want, that they buy? And I think of the user experience, like I know a lot of people who will trade NFTs or trade coins, they'll make money. And the user experience is I made, let's say $50,000. I'm going to take that off chain to an exchange. I'm going to sell it, put it to my bank, and then I'm going to go buy the asset I want. It's like, why do we have to do that? If I made money, why can't I just buy a watch or buy sneakers or even buy a car? Why can't I just buy these things on chain? And what does that look like? For liquidity, for price discovery, will that change? If I want to buy a token, an NFT token that represents a car, I don't have to do the paperwork and the title change and all these things until I redeem it, right? So I'm very interested to see those markets develop. And that's what I'm really focused on for like the, for the rest of this year is getting as many real world assets on chain in the form of NFTs that users want right now, not, not the five-year plan. Yeah, so one of the other things that Kevin and I kept saying um, back in 2017, 2018, uh, was, was exactly this uh, sort of creation of new markets and alternative assets. People always asked us, you know, look, um, you know, why don't we have stocks on, uh, on, a, on a blockchain? It seems like a blockchain would be the perfect place to trade stocks and bonds and other financial instruments. And, uh, and my answer to this was always, yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? But it's exactly the wrong thing to think. In fact, 
they'll be the last things you're going to see on chain. It's not going to be like, oh, tomorrow the NYSE changed the way they operate to use crypto. That They will be the last people to change. It's going to be these alternative assets, these new assets that don't have regulation, that don't have incumbents, that don't have well-established markets that move to crypto, that move to digital form. And speaking of which, one of the most exciting things I, I read about was a development on a certain, certain chain uh, that's very red, let's just say, and uh, and it involved uh, sneakers. Do you want to say a few words about the, about the project, what it is? Yeah. And, and so, also, mind you guys, Dom is talking to you from Brooklyn. So uh, that's, uh, you know, and behind him, you can see uh, Manhattan. And then I'm in New York also. And, um, and around where we live, you know, sneaker culture is a big deal. And, uh, and I've lived all around the U.S. and... Uh, and it's different from place to place. So, uh, so you may not appreciate this, but sneakers are identity. Sneakers are value. They are a store of value for people. And they are abs it's absolutely essential. You can get killed for stepping on the wrong guy's foot when he's wearing his, 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 his fancy sneakers. Like that's, that's common. Like that, that's not, I don't know how common it is, but that happens in, in Brooklyn. So it's important. So, so that's, that's our sort of cultural background. And, uh, and Dom, do you want to tell people about this project, this, this thing that people are doing? Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'm glad you brought this up because sneakers are very also ingrained in the culture of like of music, of sports. And so Minuswap is a product launched by Cool Kicks. So Cool Kicks is, uh, they've been in the sneaker industry for a really long time. They have a YouTube with about 2 million subscribers. They have a really famous Instagram. They have a few store locations that are very popular. And they're a very, very large sneaker reseller. And so they're on Avalanche. Um, they've opened, they've done their first few sales already, which have all sold out, done over hundreds of thousands of dollars of volume. And they're tokenized sneakers. Um, and so what they've done, though, is, is, is amazing because of how they do the vaulting and identifying. So their team's incredible. And they have AI imaging. So as the sneaker comes in, it'll pick up to like, I believe it's eight or nine unique identifiers on each shoe and then match that to the NFT. So if you send them shoes with the NFT, they will know that those shoes are not linked to that NFT because of that unique identifier. They then vault those uh, if they match and then issue the NFT on chain. And you could do whatever you want with that. If you want to trade it, if you want to get a loan against it. Um, and so it, it makes the asset it makes it changes the game of the asset because like so let me, you, let me let me get this let me let me understand this so instead of going to the store and buying a pair of uh, sneakers i buy i buy an nft online that corresponds to those sneakers kept in a vault for me by this this custodian so it's kind of like it's kind of like tether or circle but for shoes is that right yeah and then you can burn it and they'll ship you the shoes and you actually mm -hmm. get the yeah. Or, or, or I can gift them, right? It's like instead of giving yep. my nephew, uh, you know, like a pair of shoes, I, can, I just give him the NFT and then he yep. can use and, it as, as well. And did you mention I could borrow money against it? I use them as collateral. So that's the next step, right? So that's, that's, that's when I said like RWAs I'm focusing on is like the use cases make sense because suppliers could be sitting on 50, 60, $70,000 worth of sneakers. And let's say there's a new play coming up that they want to buy. Well, they don't, they'd have to, currently they'd have to liquidate their shoes at market using like a StockX or a GOAT, which charges insane fees. Well, wouldn't it just be easier if you could deposit those 
another supplier who's okay with taking on the risk and maybe they want to buy those anyways, gives you a loan for 20%, 30%. You can use that money, conduct your business, make the, you know, make the money back and more, pay the loan off and then actually continue business. So like, that's the next step for this, because now that we have tokenized sneakers on chain, we can input them into the DeFi ecosystem. I mean, I've talked about getting a culture index and this was something I was talking about with the Minuswap team is like, you can just buy into a, like a kind of like an, almost like an index fund and it has a watch, it has a sneaker, it has a, a bottle of wine, it has maybe like a nice handbag and someone's job is to constantly change those items in and out and you're just buying like like culture basically items, right? So like, mm -hmm. these are the ideas I'm talking about with Morgan because I think these are things that are interesting for, for users right now that they would want to buy. And like you said, much less regulation around them. Very cool stuff. Um, what about games, use of NFTs in games? We've got a whole bunch of AAA games coming up. And uh, I think podcast listeners are sick and tired of me raving about my favorite game, Off the Grid. Not only because I'm an NPC in it, but because I played the game for 20 minutes and I got addicted. And Dom, I don't know, like every now and then uh, I get addicted to something. Um, like I put on AR glasses once and, uh, and I use them for, again, about 20 minutes. And ever since I have not been the same person, like where I use those glasses, if I go there now without the glasses, obviously, I feel like something is missing. I feel like, you know, my world is poorer. I put these like dancing kids on the wall and they're not on the wall anymore. So I feel, but you know, anyway, so clearly I have an addictive personality and I need to keep myself in check. But um, I got addicted to these games and uh, they're, they're really amazing. And um, they're, they're AAA, fantastic gameplay. And one of the coolest things, of course, is items in the game are actual NFTs. So in Off the Grid, uh, you're living in this futuristic universe. Everybody has voluntarily gotten rid of their stupid arms and legs because who needs those? And uh, they have mechs. And so you kill people and, and steal their arms to upgrade your arms. And uh, all of those are NFT transactions. And everything you do in game is an NFT. So, um, so what's the crossover? Is there a crossover? Are we going to see universes of shared nfts across games what's that future going to look like yeah so i think the best way to is i like to think about it for me because i played games and the thing that always prevents well, what kind of games did you play let's uh, let's get a feel for you oh so i played i played counter-strike 1.6 this was like 2007 this was back when they had like do you remember mirc those like form channels yeah. used to go well of course it? i do irc of course i do i wrote bots and for irc and Ventrilo, because that was like the only comms you could use. There was like, it was Ventrilo and IRC. It's like, that's where I, yeah. I started before that on, on console gaming. But that's like really when I started gaming. Um, and then I started playing, uh, I, I started with Dota 2, uh, Dota and Warcraft 3, the original Dota. Uh, those were like my my games as it, like growing uh -huh. up. I got into the newer ones, like League of Legends and World of Warcraft. But the thing that always prevented me from really investing in them is I could never transfer my time invested is value. So I didn't care. If I spent 10 years in a game building up all of this value, I was never able to transfer it. And that always didn't sit right with me. And so I think with gaming NFTs, the reason it matters is you now can transfer value. And I'm interested to see like how that works, right? Because like I have old accounts that have certain like, I have a Steam account that has five digits. So it's a five dig. Those sell for money, right? But like, kind of weird how you have to do it. You can't really transfer that value. And I think that's the big thing that crypto games unlock. And I saw this a lot with Counter-Strike Go. If you look at their skins and their skin economy, it's a multi, multi-million dollar economy. 
And a lot of people don't even remember this because this was before Steam and before like you could stream and make a living. Use It got so bad the government actually had to step in on this because people were betting with skins. So you'd bet like a $10,000 knife that Team A would beat Team B. Well, a lot of these Counter-Strike players weren't making any money. So there was a whole bribing scandal. Like this is how big this economy got where they would bribe gamers to throw so you could make a ton of money on these skins. So I say that because I view crypto games in the same aspect as that like it's the first time people will own the value of the asset and they can transfer that value with them. And that's that's a new primitive. And so like the things we can do with that, I think are going to be are going to be crazy because the time invested now matters. It's not just something you can show off. It actually has monetary value now. Absolutely. Uh, I can't wait to uh, to cash in my Frogger account. Well, obviously, I don't have one, but uh, but yes, no, no, my heart goes out to you, um, to to everyone who uh, invested a heck of a lot of time playing games and had had the games rug pull on them. Um, I, I know for a fact that uh, several games I played and loved disappeared on me, and uh, and everything's just gone. And the ability to carry those things, those items from one universe to another, or to rather belong to a universe that outlasts an individual game. Is uh, it's like being part of the Marvel Marvel comic universe, right? You're one of the characters, and uh, and you don't want your assets disappearing under you any more than you want your real world assets disappearing. So, uh, so yeah, this is uh, it's a fascinating topic. Um, what about meme coins? How do how do NFTs play along with meme coins? Where do they sit in the relative scheme of things? People always say that PFPs are meme coins with pictures, and I like. I'm not going to get too into the weeds. I generally kind of almost somewhat agree in that like meme coins are kind of a claim on community and culture. Um, there's obviously differences because there's no pictures and they're more liquid and they're traded more. And, but it's kind of the same vibe of that. Like I buy into this meme coin. I'm bought now into this community. And like, you know, that community is what matters because like, you know, you've, you've seen the adoption of crypto weathering the storms of volatility is very hard your beliefs get tested a lot of things get tested and the stronger that community is the stronger you can weather that volatility and that's why we've seen i think things get so adopted and it's and, and accepted over time they never start off you know dogecoin things like this they don't they don't start off at the top but they build strong communities and those communities get so entrenched that it doesn't matter what you do they're not going away and i think meme coins are the same way uh and so it was kind of crazy to watch some of those pop up right like like cock being the one, a huge one for us. And they're having a really, really strong community. So these are, I think they're really good things, right? They're, they're, they have strong identity. They stick around. People are happy about being in them and it, it's okay. Right? Like when I first started in crypto, I remember I used to think those, Oh, that's garbage. It's not real. It's not real tech. And I kind of have now start when I get that feeling now, I start to say like, okay, maybe I need to like reassess this. Cause I, I had that feeling before. And when you get into them, you're like, it's okay that these things exist, right? They're not bad. They're just different. And that's not a bad thing, right? It's a way of expressing culture through through crypto. That's just, I don't know, it's, it's a new phenomenon. Uh, absolutely. No, I've, I've had the exact same feeling. Um, I remember when Doge came up, Jackson Palmer, um, who, uh, who I happen to, to, to love to bits. He's a great guy who came up with Doge, right? He's one of the few people, like, there's a founding crowd. But uh, he's, he's the main one of the main characters there. And uh, uh, Doge was for a long time ranked above Avalanche, right? And it drove me nuts. Uh, but there were good reasons for that. Our community was not as strong as Doge's. And, um, and if you kind of think about it, you know, Bitcoin is, uh, 
is uh, is is more is is more valuable for the meme value than it is for the use value, right? It's not. It's not. People don't use Bitcoin for utility. Uh, if if they wanted to, they'd bring it over to C chain, make it into BTC.B, put it into DeFi. Uh, but but the vast majority of Bitcoin is just sitting somewhere, the same way any PFP sits somewhere, and it's not in use. People don't get it for use. Um, so uh, so yeah, there are certain coins that have mean value that far exceeds uh, far exceeds um, you know any you know, many other assets with actual utility. So it's a fascinating world. So uh, what's your take on uh, on sort of uh, who or what on the characteristics of the winning plays in the NFT space going forward for the next cycle? What are the things you look for when you evaluate an NFT project? So for for PFP specifically, I look for a strong leader. You have to have someone that's vocal, that is savvy and understands how to you know, interact socially on Twitter, that has a vision around what they want their community to be identified with, understands that like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be the bar stool of, of, of Web3 or we're going to be whatever it is. So they understand that vision and then they understand how they're going to address and find the people that agree with that and bring them in and retain them. That's what I, that's what I look at. And I think the, the projects that focus on that the most, uh, the art can be secondary for these things because, you know, the art still has to be good. Don't, I'm not discrediting that, right. It has to be good enough to where people accept it, but the biggest strength is in that is in the strong vocal leader. Um, so for, for PFPs or anything along those lines, that's what I would look at. Who's the leader? How are they aligning themselves? Um, so if, yeah. if that's your take, then you're not bothered by the rise of generative AI. You're not bothered by the ability to create huge numbers of, uh, you know, uh, pictures in the same vein, in the same style using, using machine assistance. This is a hot topic. And we have a, we have a generative AI platform launching very soon, by the way. So I'll, I'll, we can maybe do another one when that starts. But um, I'm on the side that I tend to think technology advancements are positive and their tools. So I, I don't mind them. I think, I think it's just like a tool, like Photoshop was a tool, like any technical advancement's a tool. Did it put original printers out of business? Yeah, some, but you know, some still stuck around. And so like AI, I don't think is gonna put artists out of business. I just think it's a, it's a new tool for them to use. And it might give access actually to people who never could create. Right. Maybe they never were. Maybe they had it in their brain, but they never had the physical ability to do. Well, now that just maybe creates a whole new class of creatives that can make amazing things. So I view these things as more of like positive sum and additive as opposed to like scarcity reduction, like I'm losing. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I also have this weird theory that I think as we get more into the world of generative AI images, it's it, things are almost going to be too perfect that we're going to have this yearning for the like what I call the hand, like the human touch will be missing. And, and that like we might actually start reverting back to like wanting more natural because like it's almost like getting too much dessert. You don't like dessert anymore. Right. It's like sometimes the AI can be too perfect. And so I'm interested to see like if we were if we go back, like, you know, like albums right now, like records are some of the best selling things in music. Records are selling like crazy. And so like, you know, in the 90s, in the early 2000s, you would have never really said that, right? So I'm wondering if it'll be the same thing with, with, with AI imagery over the next 10 years that we start to have this yearning for, for records again.
Yeah, well, and, and certainly AI is not is is uh, is not uh, at least in my opinion uh, not as original as a as a human mind, right? So a dolly is always a dolly. Uh, AI can copy dolly, but uh, but I don't see AI coming up with uh, the nuance, the the intelligence, the threading of of themes that you see from a top end artist. So I totally agree with you that uh, that these are just tools. I certainly don't prescribe to any any opinion that says we should hold back technology um, and slow it down, etc. So full steam ahead, and um, and we'll uh, we'll sort out how to keep these things in check. Um, but uh, okay, so um, let's see. I think we're coming up to the top of the hour. Um, let's uh, let's maybe. Uh, uh, let's maybe talk one final uh, time. So um, I, I don't know if I interrupted you. You were on a on a on a streak there, talking about uh, what you like in upcoming projects, and you mentioned the uh, presence of a leader, and we kind of diverged off to AI. Do you want to sort of complete the thought there and tell us a little bit more about sort of what what kinds of projects you think will succeed in the next wave? Yeah. So I started with a leader, um, and really, I I think that's what I look for. It, it, if we're focusing on PFPs, it's the recipes kind of out there. Um, and so I really think this next wave is going to be real world assets on chain as NFTs as consumer products. Um, and so, I mean, those are kind of my, my thoughts and that's what I'm going to do. Like, I know we, I, I've tweeted this a few times. I think you've seen it. It's like 2024 is going to be the year of us getting real world assets on chain that crypto users want. So, um, I have some ideas on how to do this. I have some ideas on how to make it fun and, and digestible for for a crypto user, uh, like a regular everyday user. Um, and we're going to get those. And that's going to be it's going to be, you know, like when we when we announce Summit, people are going to book flights and hotels directly through their wallet and it's going to be done. And that's that's the user experience I want. You know, Avalanche is a place you never have to leave. And we're going to deliver as many of those products to market as possible. Amazing. So, uh, oh, you want to hear what I've been thinking about? Maybe yeah. uh, this is a good time to mention this. And uh, and I, I kind of wanted to have some spare time and explore this on my own, but I clearly don't have any spare time. So why don't I throw this idea out there? Um, so, uh, so here's what I would love to see in the NFT space. Um, it's essentially a cross between CryptoKitties and Eigenfaces. So, um, so, uh, so here's the idea. Um, so I don't know if people know about eigenfaces, uh, but people might, some people, the engineers among the audience have heard of eigenvalues, right? And they've heard of principal component analysis, but I'll, 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 I'll tell everyone what this means. So you can take a lot of pictures, let's say of people's faces and, uh, they're just dots, right? So there are a bunch of dots that form my eyebrows. There are a bunch of dots that form my nose, etc., eyes, etc. So, uh, you take these, these, uh, these pictures, you view them as matrices and you try to find common patterns. And, uh, and, and having looked at, let's say, millions of people's pictures, uh, what you can do is extract the principal components, those features that tend to be repeated over and over again. Clearly, the vast majority of those pictures are going to have two symmetric dots where the eyeballs are, right? They're, they're going to have uh, you know, eyebrows right around here, and so on. And, um, and in fact, there, you know, there are some people who have the unibrow, right? And uh, some people who have like very thin eyebrows, et cetera. And every, every individual then can be expressed as a combination of these principal components, right? So, uh, you know, it's like, you know, Jimbo out there is, 
sort of 80% of a unibrow with, uh, you know, small eyes, big eyes, what have you. And so, so then uh, every single face can then be expressed as a tuple. And, uh, and so, you know, like I'm, my face is just a tuple and so is yours and so is everyone's. So I would love to have um, those things be NFTs. And I would love, just in the same way that we could, we used to do this with CryptoKitties, uh, you could take two two people and 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 uh, and breed them, and get you know and, and take a look at their child, right? Their virtual kids, and uh, it's, it's going to be controversial whoever for whoever does it. But I would love to see this take place, right? So you just create these these uh, these eigenfaces, and uh, you could create them synthetically, make up make up a bunch of fake people, or you know you could go to like celebrities and be like you know hey uh, here's Ashton Kutcher's face, right? You know you pay some or maybe he sells his face, his likeness, and then, and then now you can breed Ashton Kutcher into 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 your virtual humanity, what have you. I've been wanting to play with this, and uh, I tried to get people excited, and then I tried to sort of head this project, and I realized I don't have time. But if somebody does it, that would be fantastic. And if they do it on Avalanche, well, they should do it on Avalanche because clearly you heard it from us, uh, and Alpha obviously is the best chain to do it on. Uh, it would be really cool. I'd be there buying your NFTs and and doing some uh, you know virtual uh, you know combinations of of people I know, etc. And saying, hey, Jimbo and Jambo, you know, if you had kids, this is what they would look like, and so on. It'd be kind of cool. Anyhow, that's uh, that's my uh, out there idea for the day. Shower thought for uh, for a future NFT NFT project. Maybe. So, uh, Dom, thank you so much. Let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Is that the moon behind you or is that something else? Move your head a little bit to the other side. Oh, what is that? Oh, it's the light. It's oh. like, it looked like you were about to be abducted or, or you got the halo. Flat earth. <laughs> something like that. Okay, no, uh, it's all good. So, uh, so thank you everyone for tuning in to the podcast. Thank you, Dom, for sharing your insights and wisdom about NFTs and everything culture, everything art on chain. And uh, so uh, tune into the podcast next week. And, uh, and so see you on chain. <laughs> <laughs>